What do you do when you find yourself trying to figure out your next move in life? How does a trek through the jungle in Vietnam prompt you to pursue a career in medicine? Why is it important to have a strategy that works best for you when applying to medical school? What's it like to do a couples match into the same residency program? Today on Talking Missions and Med Student Life, I interview a couple, Rudy and Quinn, both former fourth-year medical students who recently graduated from here, the University of Utah School of Medicine. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. All right. Here we go. Well, welcome to another edition of Talking Admissions and Med Student Life. I've got two great guests today, uh, Rudy and Quinn. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Doing well. Yeah. Yeah. COVID, you know, COVID life, but doing what we can. Yeah, yeah. Fourth year med students who recently matched, and, and don't say where you matched just yet. We're going to do a reveal at the end. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, so, but I want to go back to the beginning and I, I let's start with Rudy. So right. Rudy, like when, when did you decide to become a doctor? Was it one moment? Was it a string of moments? And uh, how old were you? And, and what did that look like? Yeah, um, I am a person who has like many ideas going at once. Actually, um, graduating high school, I was I was like, oh man, what should I do? What should I do in life? Um, and I was able to um, shadow a general surgeon during my last year of high school, and I was like, oh, this is really neat, but. I don't know. Do I want to be a teacher? Do I want to be a lawyer? Do I want to be a chemist? Because I really liked my chemistry classes. Um, so my first year of undergrad at the University of Utah, I took this careers exploration class that pretty much you could um, try out all these different careers from um, bankers, lawyers, um, business people. And I was able to also shatter um, physician and primary care specialty. And um, I, I just noticed that every time I was um, in a medical setting, I was interested, there were fun stories to listen to. I did, really didn't know what was going on. So that was also something that was <laughs> particularly interesting for me. And it was just, it spoke to me more than most of the other careers. So I was like, I think I should embark on this uh, mission to become a physician and go to medical school. Um, but I also knew that I had a lot of other interests. Um, so in undergrad, I think I did uh, a million different clubs, tried many different coats on. And um, ultimately, I just really enjoyed uh, the medical field. I was able to volunteer in um, at Primary Children's uh, both as a music volunteer as well as um, interacting with children. And that reinforced that I just really enjoyed the patient contact, a bit um, different from bench work that was in my chemistry undergrad. Um, so it was pretty uh, immediate. I had, thankfully, a early insight into what I wanted to do. Um, and... Uh, yeah, it's, I don't really have that um, interesting of I did this and this and this, but I just tried a whole bunch of um, different coats on and uh, the physician cap worked the best for me. That's great, Rudy. How about you, Quinn? How, how did you come to decide to become a doctor? 
Uh, I was a career <laughs> changer. Yeah, I think I think I'm pretty sure you're you have a different path than Rudy. I'm I'm nearly yeah, positive about yeah, that. A little yeah. bit, a little bit. So I yeah, where do we start? Uh, didn't know what I wanted to do, so I found out that my high school German credits were going to count for a lot of <laughs> a lot of saved time and money. So why not? Okay, so we studied German. Well, that same mentality kind of led to a actually a bachelor's degree. In but I found myself kind of in the same boat. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I worked a little bit, uh, retail and then management. I uh, went for, well, actually, I guess I should pause there. Um, ended up going around the world for a bit. Lived in Thailand for four years. And that led to an MBA. And What were you doing in Thailand? <laughs> Just kind of brushed through that. What, what was it? Four yeah. years in Thailand a lot. So it's four years. I like to divide it into, you know, there's a first year of just exploration and travel uh, throughout Southeast Asia. And then the second, so the second year, the year was an MBA because honestly, I started to feel the pressure from family. They're kind of like, all right, great. What are you doing over there? Like, hey. <laughs> so, uh, and I, I obviously I like school a lot. So I was kind of missing that learning environment. So I, I started, well, I entered into a Thai MBA program, but then finished it as a uh, Thai exchange student back here at Duke. So it was it was kind of fun, uh, flying incognito. And I just, I fell in love with finance. I loved it a lot. I took every finance class my university offered and completed the MBA and then went back to Thailand for that fourth year where a lot of my friends were getting married. Uh, and there was just a lot that I had on my bucket list to do. Uh, one was Vietnam, for example, Myanmar, that kind of thing. So that sort of ties into the aha moment because right about then I had been sending out applications for management consulting positions and I had a job offer out of Kuala Lumpur and I was all set up to do it. I was pretty stoked. Um, wasn't really sold on it though. I guess you could say my heart wasn't into it. I, this was what all my peers were doing. They were going to Microsoft, Google, like all the, all the big names. And I, I solidified this position and I was traveling in Vietnam and I had this, you know, traveling leads to some unique experiences. And I had this, this guide who we were going through the jungles of Vietnam and uh, she, she was, she basically, she hurt her toe essentially is what happened. And she, we, we had bonded. She knew my life story. So she knew I had all this education. And then at that point she realized she, she thought, well, okay, if, if someone can help me, is he going to be this guy who went to school for long? And so she came up to me and said, hey, Quinn, you know, like, I really need your help with this. Like, what, how, you know, what do you think is wrong? What can I do? And that's sort of when I had the, I guess you call it an aha moment. And yes, I love business. Yes, I love finance. I love numbers. I love, I love math. But uh, the kind of the impression I wanted to leave was more of a direct personal, more of a one-on-one -on -one, uh uh, helping environment where instead of a, a you know really laid back to balancing spreadsheets and PowerPoint presentations and things, so that's where I kind of had the oh my gosh, wow, okay, I I don't regret anything that I did, but this is I realize now only a very small piece of the puzzle that I'm putting together. Wow, so much more circuitous route uh, through the jungles <laughs> of Vietnam, right, right, Thailand. I can't get the sense. Were, were you like a business? Did you, did you like own a factory over there? I can't get the. I don't know how this business part. Like, were you an entrepreneur or what were you exactly doing? Or Quinn, 
were you CIA? Were you secret government <laughs> so, kind of infiltration kind of thing? I can't really comment on that. I did make multiple trips to the uh, U.S. Embassy. We can say that. Okay. All right. All right. That that starts to clear it up some more. Right. Right. So <laughs> I know it's Mercury. Mercury. I, it's intentionally murky. I'm, I'm sorry. My yeah. My superiors uh, don't allow me to elucidate that anymore. <laughs> This explains a lot, Quinn. All right. So jumping forward in time, um, when you both started applying to med school, what, what, like, what was your strategy? Like, how many schools did you apply to? Where did you look at? Uh, what, what was your strategy going into the med school application process? Um, I, for me, the med school application process is actually something that um, – was a bit undefined and defined itself as I went. Um, I knew you had to take the MCAT and I was like, Oh man, I hate, I hate taking tests. Um, so I got that over with. And then I actually looked at the application. I'm like, Oh wow, this is a lot more than the MCAT. Um, so I, for places to apply, I really wanted to stay close to my, um, family and my parents are in North Ogden, Utah. So, um, Utah was, uh, one of my first choices, but I wanted um, to also just apply broadly to places that I thought were within my benchmark. Um, so I think I ended up applying to 10 to 15 schools, not as many as most people. Um, and then in terms of the application, I heard that just through the grapevine that you should um, present yourself as best you can with um, as diverse of experiences you could. And I thankfully had a passion for doing many multiple things um, from volunteer work to leadership. And so I dug through my resume and was like, okay, these are fitting within that. And and then for the personal statement, uh, I actually recited it to my friend and she wrote it down because I noticed that when I spoke, it was a lot easier for me than writing things down. Um, to get the thoughts I wanted out. And really, so, what kind of activities do you yeah. remember doing that were kind of unique and different? <laughs> yeah. um, one, I was on the MUS board leadership, which is the mighty Utah student section for sports because I love sports. Um, another thing, we have a wonderful thing at the University of Utah called the Benyon Center, and I absolutely love uh, that center. It's involved with multiple volunteer opportunities, and one you can do is you can um, – start up a volunteer uh, sustainable project and mine was with an elementary school in West Valley that um, was focused at maintaining childhood fitness and getting kind of um, the lower socioeconomic status schools um, getting them involved in a sustainable way that they can stay fit and healthy um, in an after-school program because many of the there uh, they sit at school for like a couple hours while their parents finish up work. And I thought that was a wonderful opportunity to kind of get people involved. Um, another, like there were just a bunch of random things. I really liked university housing. I was involved in as an RA, as a programming assistant, working at um, alternative um, solutions to alcohol related activities, more of like safe activities to prevent um, binge drinking. And uh just anything on campus. I think I signed up for pretty much anything. (laughs) That's awesome, Rudy. That's awesome. Quinn, how about you? Uh, What was your strategy in the application process? What'd you do? Yeah. So it all started kind of (laughs) taking you back to Vietnam. Um, I I ran into a a U.S. physician there 
And this was just after I'd had this aha moment. And he said, oh, interesting. Like, you're thinking about it. Said, yeah, what do I have to do? And he's like, oh, well, you have to take this test. And what's that called? Well, it's called the MCAT. Oh, is it hard? Oh, I just study for it. You know, it's content <laughs> Is it hard? He's <laughs> like, no, no, I mean, you, this is what you need to study for. But, uh, but no, your, your pre-med classes, like, those prepare you well. Oh, okay. So, you know, fast forward, came to Utah, took the old MCAT, actually. And then wasn't quite satisfied with my score, so I wanted to retake it, but that was when we shifted to the new version of the MCAT, so I actually studied for both and took both. That was, that, that was not fun. That was a really bad time. <laughs> um, but uh, what I did after that, so as far as schools I applied to, uh, for me, money was a little bit of a problem. As you can imagine, uh, life in Thailand for four years leads to, you know, it, it doesn't build the bank accounts so much. Um, so I, I was really balancing, you know, my own little formula, kind of similar to, to residency choices, actually. So, you know, cost of living, first of all, of course. Um, and then a name, a name, uh, just not nothing ridiculous, but I, you know, I, I wanted to be able to have options moving forward. So, uh, try and balance, uh, name with, uh, cost of living. And then of course, you know, what can I do outside of med school? And I happened to have some friends who lived here in Salt Lake. So that was a huge end <laughs> as far as, you know, cost and who I could live with. I had a, a small friends network here already. So I actually live with three guys I already knew. Um, so once I sort of ran that formula, Utah came out on top, really, as far as uh, all, all the pros. I mean, you know, maybe didn't you know, knock out any one category. But when you combine them all, it was sort of the clear choice. Uh, but then as far as activities, everything I did was guided by Mayumi in uh, the, the pre-med advising office. It was fantastic. So uh, I, I went into her. <laughs> when I first got here, I went into her and said, Mayumi, like, hi, I'm Quinn. Nice to meet you. I'm going to apply to med school uh, in one year. And she said, hi, I'm Mayumi. No, you're not. <laughs> that sounds like Miami, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I kind of had my eyes open. She said, "There's not, like I, you know, I'll show you why you'll understand." Uh, and and she was right. Uh, that is absolutely not what I did at all. Um, <laughs> I I, did, I took the other route. I went most thorough. So I ended up doing a second bachelor's uh, because that was really close to a, a, a BS in biology by the end of it. So I uh, just went really thorough with my pre-meds. I didn't want to get to med school and, and not have seen anything that wasn't, you know, specifically like medical curriculum. And I, that really helped. I mean, I had the immunology, I had the upper level genetics, I had, I had all that stuff. So it, it did definitely help. Um, and then as far as activities go, I, I don't know why I always was drawn to the, to the ED. So I, I had heard just through the grapevine at the U, the pre-med kind of culture, that the ED was a fun place to volunteer. Uh, so I decided to jump on that. Everyone loves uh, like the kids' activities, and then, to be honest, I just I'm an only child. I don't have a lot of exposure there, so I, was, I knew I'd be a little more uncomfortable in that environment. And I just I wanted to do something I enjoyed, so I was able to get into the ED, and yeah, I loved it. Um, it, it was, I thought it was great because you, you have, well, first of all, you can see everything that's going on. So you can see the level ones, level one traumas come in. 
Uh, you can see how physicians interact with patients. You can see how residents interact. You can see how physicians interact with residents. Uh, you get the chance to actually talk to families. And it, it's not just talking to them. And then this isn't coming up for a diabetes checkup. This is the ED. So obviously, you know, they're not happy to be here. They're really stressed out. They're really worried about it. So it was a really, really fun, high energy, um, in a way, demanding. I mean, it ebbs and flows. But uh, when it's busy, it's, it's really busy. Mm-hmm. And I, I really enjoyed that environment. So I, that was my primary volunteering. But then shadowing, I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I tried to be as, but uh, just due to some family circumstances, oncology had kind of a, uh, I don't know, a, <laughs> I would say like it was close to my heart, but it's, it's not. My mom passed from, from a cancer diagnosis. So it, it, I think it was familiar. So I had dealt with oncologists before and I had been the person receiving the bad news and, um, you know, getting not having an optimistic outlook. And that was actually really kind of in a strange way, a familiar territory for me. So I shadowed a bunch at the Huntsman Cancer Center and that was really rewarding. I stuck with one physician and didn't want to bounce around and, and it was great. Um, kind of like you learn in med school when you work with one preceptor or one attending, uh, it, it's excellent because their teaching can build on itself. Uh, they already know what they taught, taught you. They already know, you know, where you stand. They know your history. And, uh, I definitely support the, the diverse approach. Uh, definitely think that's recommended. But, uh, what I really did is just kind of went wild with, um, this one physician and put a bunch of hours in. Yeah. Quinn, that's, Quinn, that's great. great. Uh, uh, um, does Rudy know the Pep Boy story? Are we ready to talk about that now, Quinn? Four years later. Uh, yeah, we can definitely talk about that. I was so shocked. I had absolutely no idea what was going well, on. Let me go first. Let me tell my perspective. All right. So, yeah, you know, perfect. like people might not know this, but I actually don't live in my office. I go out in the community because <laughs> I have a life. And I remember, like, I had some issue with my car. And I remember I had to go to Pep Boys, the auto body, the auto parts store. I think it was like a battery issue or something. I remember standing in line and like all these other people around. And then all I I hear is like, Dr. Chad, I'm I'm going, Oh boy. And like, then I see the Quinn right there. And you you just start talking to me. And I was just, and I, I think I remembered your name. I can't remember how it went, but I I think I just mentioned Duke or something. I think it blew your brain that I remembered a detail about you. And it was just because I don't know if you had been accepted at that point. And it was just, I felt it was a really, strange interaction and i just remember i walked away going that that was like the most memorable pet boys visit i've ever had um yeah so quinn what was your perspective how how do you remember that story i just now i always associate you with pet boys every time i drive by that place i just think of you hanging out there well actually it's interesting because i also associate you with pet boys oh boy yeah yeah to me you're right you blew my mind um and yeah a lot of those i mean you, you were a little humble so that's uh, so I also had car issues, right? Uh, like I said, save money. So Pep Boys knew me pretty well. Uh, I happened to live not too far from there uh, by Nibley Golf Course. And and yeah, I was a frequenter of Pep Boys, but I have not seen Dr. Chan there too often. So I was doing my thing. I was in line. And you're right, I had not been accepted yet. This was kind of post-interview, that awkward time where you really don't get a lot of feedback, but you're like crossing your fingers. You're not sure what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden I saw Dr. Chan. So I, like you said, hey, Dr. Chan, say hi. <laughs> and 
you did not remember one detail. You remembered basically like my whole file, which was wild. Uh, so you kind of said, oh, yeah, Quinn, you know, from Green Bay. Yeah, time in Thailand. Oh, Duke, NBA. Like, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I, like, I don't want to read in that. I, 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 was, I was your handler. I was your intelligence officer who just knew your file. So, yeah. And that's what you had said later. You said, well, actually, we, you know, in, in the meeting, we had just reviewed you relatively recently, which is why I knew. But, of course, I had no idea that any of that was going on. So I was just absolutely mind blown. You know, I, all I wanted was a sign, just a small sign. Like maybe someone from the admissions committee could give me a wink in the hallway or something. And then I had the, the Dr. <laughs> Chan coming out and telling me my, the whole thing. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so And Quinn, are you ready to know the truth right now? Yeah. Rudy was also in that store that night and watched us, and that planted no. the seed. No way. Yeah, I know. It's it's just it just. I know she was she was near the back, kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, she was just watching this unfold. Oh, I know it, the the truth comes out. All right, so in all seriousness, let's. I want to hear the story. How'd you guys meet? Was it orientation week? Was it a NAMI lab around the table kind of thing? Um, and let's like let's hear it. Uh, let's let's have Rudy go first. I want to hear the different perspectives because it, it, it rarely matches up. So I want to hear Rudy's version. We actually owe it to our classmate Scott. <laughs> so um, I had received that wonderful phone call from you in the beginning of January of oh what year is that? Twenty sixteen. Um, and Scott was also applying, and he had not heard yet. So it was kind of this like awkward tension. And he was like, oh, one of my uh, buddies also got in. Like, I should introduce you. Oh, actually, you'd get along really well because you're both uh, you both have Wisconsin backgrounds. So, um, yeah, I I should introduce you sometime. Well, we walked out of the mutual class we had, and little did I know, like, Quinn was outside. Um, they had, like, an anatomy test that day. If there was light streaming down. <laughs> hair was blowing in the wind. I don't know, it was really nice. Wait, wait. So you guys, you guys met before med school? I thought I was somehow more involved in this oh, oh, matchmaking well, thing. Yeah. I um, I thought he was extremely stressed and not a person I would like hanging around because I think he looked at me maybe for like a second and then started talking to Scott about the anatomy test that was coming out. So <laughs> like. Oh boy, this is what my class is going to be like. (laughs) What did I get myself into? (laughs) Um, And that was uh, the uneventful first meeting. (laughs) Well, that was second work day. Oh, wow. Well, Dr. Chan, we should amend your question then. Yeah. (laughs) So that was the first meeting, but I think the first conversation we had was actually a second work day. Um, I like this. I like this more. Keep on going. Yeah. So there was. there was a group of us University of Utah students who kind of grouped together because you look for people who have commonalities. Um, so it was Scott, the friend um, who introduced us. And then it was also Snehal, another one of our classmates. And we were eating um, our Cafe Rio lunch <laughs> in a very talkative room. And it was just us four <laughs> eating. And I have a Green Bay Packer phone case um, because I just love and bleed the Green Bay Packers. Um, so I set it on the table and I saw Quinn laugh. I was like, why is he laughing at my phone case? Um, and Scott was like, oh, yeah, Rudy, did you know Quinn's from Wisconsin? I was like, I think you had mentioned it, but like, not. oh, where are you from? 
And Quinn's like, well, actually, I'm from Green Bay. I'm like, oh, my gosh, do you love the Green Bay Packers? And he's like, they're okay. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I was like, how are you from Green Bay? And you don't love the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> wow. So he, uh, he impressed me twice on, <laughs> on meeting. <laughs> All right, so it sounds like this doesn't have a good trajectory at the beginning. Uh, Quinn, want to defend yourself? Do you remember any of this? I'd like to start with the end and then work towards the beginning. So Sure. Um, you can be a surgeon. Go for it. Right. <laughs> so I think, as you know, Dr. Chan, a lot of it is tone and inflection. Uh, there can be the same words said, but a very different meaning portrayed, depending on how you say them. Very so, poetic of you. Go on. So I, think, I think that more along the lines of what I said about the Packers was, yeah, they're okay. And it was an optimistic, you know, high inflection on the end. Like, yeah, let's talk about this more. And I, I mean, <laughs> you know, even my delivery right there, I think was a little subpar, but uh, I, I just, I really, I don't think it was as bad as, as she, she lets off. So I was saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason is because if you are from Green Bay, Wisconsin, <laughs> you have the most, I mean, we, they're probably diagnosable. I don't even know. This is not my realm any longer, but um, <laughs> wild, wild, wild fans. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Cheese heads, the cheese curds, um, so kind like, of some unhealthy living stuff going on there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, we're talking like middle of winter. And you might just have some silk packers boxers on with a bunch <laughs> of body paint. And this is Wisconsin winter, keep in mind. So, like, to me, say, yeah, yeah, they're okay. It, I guess in perspective relative here, I'm a raging fan to every other team. But for the Green Bay Packers, I'm pretty mild. Uh, I think. <laughs> yeah. So I just had to defend myself due to my roots. Uh, but going oh. back, she was absolutely right. Yeah. So I was in advanced anatomy. I was with Scott. Scott's the boy savant genius man who can just look at a chart and be like oh yeah dude no no worries like yeah it's totally these 10 nerves that i've never heard before but now i can correctly identify and trace them through the human body <laughs> he's, he's one of the most frustrating men to study with that i've ever encountered uh so I was with Scott. Scott was basically my advanced anatomy tutor throughout the course, although we were taking it together. And yeah, we did have an exam coming up and I was very stressed for exams. Unfortunately, that hasn't changed. I still, that still happens. Uh, it but, only gets better. Yeah, right. Exactly. It just costs a lot more money. Yeah. They do. Oh my gosh. You have to pay for it. And that's when I met Rudy. So admittedly, I probably wasn't, you know, uh, performing the best or <laughs> focusing my attention where it should have been. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, for the most part, uh, given the, the Packers story and then the, the first look was better. The first look was better. I, I don't think I had an exam coming up because I actually remember socializing and remember talking. Second. And, wait, <laughs> Second look. Did I say first look? Yeah, oh, I guess that's like the application process. Yeah. <laughs> first look would be the application process. Very Freudian. All right. So did you two start dating before med school even started? When, I mean, when did you get together exactly? No, uh, the summer before med school started, I actually was uh, in Italy being a nanny, and I kind of cut off contact from the U.S. <laughs> um, so we, I think our relationship 
bloomed um, in as the I middle was, of foundation. <laughs> as I was sinking. <laughs> so um, Quinn was always a class goer. I'm a class goer. So like a plug out there, go to class, you'll meet wonderful people that you might end up dating. <laughs> um, but he became more and more stressed as the semester went on and um, his hair became more frazzled and <laughs> there was there was a day where he always wore button-ups and his button-up was off by one button. So the collar was uneven and the buttons were all off. And Scott, our friend again, was like, Rudy, you gotta you gotta help him out. <laughs> I was like, why do I have to help so, him out? So I didn't realize Scott was such a key figure in this uh, oh, saga. So yeah. was Scott really trying to get you two together? Did he... I, I I should ask him. I, or is he just really worried about Quinn's hygiene or what was going on? Yeah. About Quinn's mental status. Yeah, I think he was worried because he saw me at Advanced Anatomy and he's like, oh, he'll pull through this. And then he probably saw me in med school and said, wow, his buttons have never been off like this. <laughs> yeah. I was bad. Apparently, I was starting conversations and walking away and not completing them. And yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, you know, those were dark times. That's when you need uh, friends to rely on. And I think Scott you know, wanted to make sure I was okay. Yeah. Uh, and thought this was a great opportunity for Rudy and I to get to know each other. <laughs> yeah. So Scott and I sat next to him during one lecture. Usually he's in the front row and I was never a front row sitter. So I was like, Oh man, this is really uncomfortable. Um, so I looked over at Quinn and he was scribbling every word that was on the PowerPoints. Mind you, we get the PowerPoints. So you don't actually have to write them all out again. Um, but Quinn decided he was, and I was like, man, that looks really stressful. Mm. And then he looked over at me and saw, I was making flashcards because that is the save all grace in um, medical school. And he, he was like, what are you doing? How are you doing that? Um, and I think after that lecture, we started studying together and I showed him that flashcards are a great tool um, and that maybe copying all the lecture slides may have worked in undergrad, but we uh, are drinking from a fire hose. Yeah, we did a little show and tell. Basically, yeah. hey, like, I'll show you how I study, and then you show me how you study. Yeah. And uh, unequivocally, she had the superior method of study. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good cost-benefit analysis, Quinn. That's, that's Yeah, the MBA paid off right, right. right there in that moment, yes. Yeah. Um, so I know, like, when I've talked to other students, there seems to be this weird coda or weird – kind of feeling that if people date each other in the class, you kind of keep it on the down low for as uh, long as you can. Were you pretty open or how did that kind of, or because Scott was just kind of <laughs> silently engineering all of this, it was kind of well known or like, yeah. Like when did you guys become public and when was it like, like when did your classmates know? So I absolutely um, don't let your classmates know mainly because I, was like that would be weird if my friends all of a sudden started dating <laughs> um so I don't think we ever like went public I think we just randomly started telling people um I think it was even like second year we we yeah. started dating a week before our foundations exam which ended up being like the most memorable exam of my lifetime <laughs> the final exam <laughs> yeah. yeah they uh we had just started dating and 
you're assigned seats for the final exam and we were put right next to each other. Yeah, so like across put, the aisle. Yeah. So it was awful. I was totally aware of every move she was making while I'm trying not to fail out of foundation. Yeah, so put the nerves of an exam. Okay. But, but you were worried because you weren't sure if this relationship was, you know, you're kind of in that iffy stage or why, why were you so concerned about sitting next to each other? Um, I, think I, think, I, I don't think I was concerned. I was actually probably thrilled. Yeah, I think we're both excited. It was just oh, okay. yeah, like a distraction I wasn't able to overcome. <laughs> yeah. you know I mean. Okay. So it's like, oh, like you're in that exciting stage of your relationship. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You're like you're three feet from them and you're just like staring at them. And, right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Okay. All right. All right. There's like hearts hovering above them. and. <laughs> I hear you. I get you. All right. All right. I love it. I love it. All right. So jumping forward um, to kind of focus back on more med school. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, Rudy, what what were you thinking of becoming before med school started? And then how did third year impact your decision? And what did you end up choosing? <laughs> oh, my God. This is like the most beautiful question ever. Um, so I went into medical school because I wanted to be a general surgeon. Um, I thought that was my destiny, made, mainly because um, the mentor, when I was a pre-med, was a general surgeon. He was just one of the... Um, most wonderful individuals I had met. He said, if, um, basically if you love what you do, you shouldn't have to work a day in your life. And he gauged that on how many times you look at the clock. So he said, if you're always looking at the clock, that's probably not what you want to go into. And I, whenever I would shadow him, I'm like, I never look at the clock. So obviously I want to be a general surgeon. Um, and then, uh, third year hit, up to general surgery, I loved every rotation. I started with OB-GYN. I was like, man, maybe I should do OB-GYN. I did PEDS. I'm not a kid person, and I absolutely loved PEDS. Um, and then I did some electives that I also loved. And then I hit general surgery, and it was such a letdown for me, Dr. Jan. I wanted... Like, what happened? <laughs> I wanted... I noticed that I hated how the patient was under for so long. Like, I wanted to hear their story um, I was like, why do they have that tattoo? Like, what is their life story? Why are they actually here? I mean, I know we're taking out like a part of their colon, but like, what was it that led to that? Um, and it went extremely slow. The OR was, it was, it's a beautiful place. Um, but I just, I was like, we have been preparing to cut this person for the past like two hours. <laughs> like when does the preparing end? Um, so it just, it did not fit the Rudy mold. And I, another thing, like it just, they say like, find your people. And I just, I love like the friends who are going into general surgery. I absolutely love them, but I don't think these are people who like, I want to work beside my entire life. Um, so I left general surgery borderline depressed. Like I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, why am I in medical school? Like I was supposed to be a surgeon and now I'm not. And then I went to the wonderful rotation of psychiatry where you talk a lot about like what your purpose is or how you're feeling and like how the rotation's going. And I think it was a great time to have like some um, self-reflection on what do I actually want to do? Like, where are my people? What are the people I want to serve? Um, what is the patient population that I really want to work with? Um, so I made a mini career exploration for myself and would shadow different specialties. And the one that I kind of did towards the end was emergency medicine. And I remember going in there, I went in to shadow, um, a physician at 8am and I, I didn't leave. I don't think until like 8pm. I just loved it so much. And I, that was a time that the clock did not matter. It was mm. just 
I got to see patients from um, people who were disadvantaged in life to people who had advantages and they were all there for like acute immediate problems that they like did not know how to solve and I just loved the um, like jelly bean bag if you will that there were all these different flavors um, and I personally loved that I could not turn anybody away like that you come to the emergency room you will be seen and that just really spoke to even what I was doing in undergrad where I just really loved working with every patient population so that's really where like third year is so wonderful because it's like oh what do I want to do but when you find it it's just it is like this beautiful aha moment and uh that was what the emergency room was for me I love it like you didn't yeah you didn't look at the clock and I I remember so I did a psychiatry residency but um as part of my psych residency your intern year I did a couple I did a rotation in in emergency medicine and yeah like you go in and then I just remember like a few hours later like oh yeah I need to eat and actually use the restroom yeah. yeah. And like find time to just do those basic because you just literally there's like 20 rooms and there's all these people, nurses trying to track you down. It's just very time goes by very, very quickly. I remember. Yes. That. So yeah. I like what you said. It's about it's about not not noticing that the clock is there. So um, Quinn, how about you? What What's what's your path? What were you thinking about before school started? And, and when did you end up deciding because of third year? Yeah. Um, I, so going into it, I didn't really have an idea like going by it. I mean, med school. So I wasn't really sure. Uh, I, I don't know. I kind of had a, a, I was like a quest to prove myself and to choose something like prestigious and, and, and kind of colloquially understood as difficult. And, uh, I wasn't entirely sure. I thought general surgery. Uh, so I started med school, started studying, Decided to button my shirt differently, that kind of thing. <laughs> I progressed. I, I thought, you know what, this surgery thing could work. Uh, but I was cautious because I had, I worked in the OB/GYN department for a year before med school, and one of my mentors there, my my boss slash mentor, just like she would, she would almost yell at me if I ever tried to figure out what specialty I was. And she'd be like, No, like absolutely not. I don't want to hear you talk like that. You'll figure it out third year. This is not something for you to stress about. And generally, you know, I think that can work, but for me, not thinking about it is actually more stressful. So this is something I was just always chewing on, wasn't really sure, probably general surgery. Uh, I, it just, it's, it's what I was thinking about, but I kind of had this cognitive dissonance. Uh, it just didn't fit right. Um, I, I, I wanted that, like, prestige and say, oh, I'm a surgeon. But I already knew that's not the lifestyle I wanted. Uh, so in my head, it was kind of almost like a sad road of, of reckoning of, okay, well, I guess I'll just work 80 hours a week for the rest of my life. Um, okay. <laughs> it wasn't really a happy thought. Uh, like, yes, that's what I want to be, but no, that's not at all a lifestyle I want like whatsoever. But that's okay, because ultimately this is what I want to be. So then fast forward to third year, uh, started with OB-GYN and... Uh, the guy part wasn't too interesting to me, uh, which is more, you know, OR oriented, but OB was so fun. I absolutely loved it. It was a party. I loved the experience of being there with the parents in that moment. Like I said, no siblings. So this is all new to me. I, I mean, OB, OB was, so, I looked forward to those shifts, um, got destroyed on rounds, but that's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, it was really, really a fun time. Uh, positive energy. I was considering OB for a while. Um, but then the guy in part, the OR part, I uh, moved on to family med, which was 
which was great. But then I found we had one urgent care day a week and I found myself looking forward to the urgent care day uh, more than just the regular kind of day in, day out um, family med rotation. So uh, I kind of liked OB-GYN. I kind of liked family med, but only aspects of both of them. And then I hit psych and oh my God, that was, that was the hard part. I, for months, I thought I was going to do psych. I absolutely loved it. Like I loved going there. I guess Rudy could tell you, like, she's never seen me so engaged in my patients. Like I would, I'd be looking them up when I got home. I'd be watching like, uh, overnight, I'd be looking them up before I even went in just to see like what happened. Like, oh my gosh, someone threw a tray at a, at a nurse. That's not good. I'm going to have to go ask them about that <laughs> tomorrow. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. That, and you know, Hey, what happened about that tray? <laughs> and oh yeah, you saw the note, huh? Uh, so it was, it was just, it was really fun, really, 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 really tough. Uh, and then I hit general surgery and you know, first day, what are you going to be? I'm going to be a general surgeon. Okay, great. And pretty much by the end of the first day, I knew that was no longer what I wanted to be. <laughs> Sounds uh, like a Rudy experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so hard because, I mean, yeah. I'm trying to I, – like, I really don't mean to sound like I'm not grateful for the training because, of course, I am. And I'm, I'm definitely grateful for opening my eyes and pointing me to the direction I ultimately went on. Um, but it was a cataclysmic, just horrible experience every way. I, it, just, it, it just was not for me at all. It was a terrible yeah. fit. Um, the learning style didn't fit. Uh, the pace. right, the pace didn't fit. I'm in the OR, and I really quickly found out uh, for you know a whole procedure. I had like the best experience down in St. George. I, I couldn't. It was fantastic. The two weeks were amazing. The autonomy there. There's no residents at the time, so it was just me, basically as first assist to uh, an attending with an incredibly capable PA. Um, and that's it. That's your team. Mm-hmm. And I found out like, even in that like best case scenario, I really was only interested when things were going wrong. Like for example, all of a sudden I got splattered by, by, by blood. Like, wow, well, that's interesting. Like what? Okay. Like what's going on? You have my attention. But even then, as soon as that was managed and you know, I just very quickly lost interest. Um, and it just wasn't a good fit. Like I said, overall. Uh, so kind of like, Rudy, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, continued third year and just sort of went through the, I don't know, went through the rotations and nothing was really working. There are aspects of everything. Going into med school, because I had volunteered in the ED, I had a little bit of exposure uh, to emergency med. And I just said, you know, the one thing I don't want to do really here is, is emergency med. Like, I, I don't want to have my schedule messed up. I don't. I don't want to like not have a nine to five. I'd like some normalcy in my life. And near the end of third year, that kind of changed. And I, I, I took a little time to for step one, which meant that I actually had to kick my peds rotation to fourth year. And then I took my typically fourth year sub I third year. So at the end of my third year, I was in my emergency med sub I. Because basically, I had deduced that there's nothing else. <laughs> so I, I, I had the exposure, my, my Vietnam connection, and then going forward, my volunteering. And I actually had CMC. Uh, that's our clinical skills course where we learn basically, I mean, initially, we're pretending to be doctors, but we learn the physical exams 
skills. My preceptor was an emergency med physician. So kind of looking back, I actually had quite a bit of exposure to emergency medicine. And it just, it, it felt right. And I, the only thing, the only thing that wasn't settling for me was the schedule. Everything else was great. So I decided, let's just do this sub I. Um, it is what I'm most interested in now. This is kind of where I think I'm going. Um, and a lot of it came from my mentor, my, my CMC preceptor of just seeing his lifestyle, asking what he is. He's, he's in academics, but he's, you know, not in the ED, uh, all of his shifts. He has multiple hats. That's definitely what I want to do degrees. Um, so this was, uh, this was what I could see myself doing the most did the sub I and kind of the opposite of surgery from day one. I knew I loved it. Um, I, I love the high, like I, I am pretty easily, I wouldn't say distracted. Um, but I'm very easily bored. Uh, I lose interest in something very quickly and EM absolutely held that interest. I mean, I've, I don't think I've ever been bored in the ED. Uh, I just love the kind of the wild aspects I sort of hinted on with, uh, the volunteering experiences. You know, you don't know when a level one trauma is going to be called in. You don't know, you, you don't, you don't know what's coming through the door. And, and that was, that's what was so fun. And through volunteering, I learned that you can have an incredibly meaningful connection with the patient in a very short amount of time. So, the, you know, oftentimes it's said, oh, you don't, you don't get to know your patients longitudinally. And that's just, I just, that, I feel that's completely false. Um, yeah, it's not longitudinal, sure, but you can have such a rich connection with your patients because you're seeing them in such a time of crisis. Um, so I, I absolutely love that. I love the fact that I'm not turning anyone away. I love the fact that I'm not getting flack for, for sending a test because I'm genuinely concerned about something. Um, I, I really, I love all those components to it. And ultimately it fit with my lifestyle. I mean, I love traveling. I want to be able to do that. I, it, I mean, I love being able to manipulate my schedule. I, and then actually to come full circle, I really, one of my favorite things about EM now is the spontaneous aspect of, of the schedule. Like I, I, I love so much, literally not knowing when I work the next time I work. Like I, it just helps me not be bored. I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. I go in at 6 PM. Interesting. Well, I better prepare for that. <laughs> so both of you chose kind of for similar reasons, but different reasons too. emergency medicine. That's correct. Yes. <laughs> so I guess the last part and let's talk about the match. What was your strategy as a couple's match going into the same field? I mean, like, like what did that look like? Uh, did one of you was one of you in charge of like the the notes, the database, or is it more a gut feeling? And would you try to do combined interviews, or did you were you up front with people and say, hey, you know that person over there, we're together? Or like, how how did you navigate that trying to go into the same program? Yeah, it was um. So when we first decided that we both wanted the same specialty, I was like, oh, I haven't heard of many people doing this. So um, I do correct honors for you. This is great. Yeah. (laughs) What I do is when I don't know something, I like, I am one who searches the internet in every corner to look for um, solutions. Uh, So I was able to find some people who did like internal medicine, internal medicine. um, And then I was also able to find like family medicine, family medicine, but I actually couldn't find any stories online about emergency medicine, emergency medicine. Um, so we both had the same mentor, Dr. Fix. She was extremely helpful. Um, and she was like, okay, this is going a bit, um, 
shooting from the hip, but we're going to have to apply broadly, meaning many programs across many states. Um, and then in emergency medicine, you do away rotation. So she's like, those are going to have to be also casted broadly across the geography of the United States. Um, and so we're like, okay, we can do that. Um, so I did two away rotations, one at University of Wisconsin-Madison and the other one at Maryland. And then Quinn did one at um, Pittsburgh. So um, we also had to do one at Utah. So we thought that was more of the Western region. And then we had the Midwest with Wisconsin and then more of the Northeast um, with Pittsburgh and then more of the East with Maryland. Neither of us really wanted the South. So we were like, we're okay, not, (laughs) not doing a rotation um, there. But we did our ways broadly. And then when we applied, we looked at the list of places to go and said, we'd like to go here. We wouldn't like to go here. Um, And we did that based off some reputation, some off of where family is. We're very familiar with the Midwest. and then some um, off of just word of mouth of what, oh, we heard this program was great. Or this one is super hard to get into. It would be shooting for you. So um, I'm, yeah. So a couple of questions pop in my mind. First, like I know there are some four-year programs, but most ER programs are now three. And I assume you guys targeted the three-year programs, correct? Yes. yes. A couple um, of four-years snuck <laughs> in there, but yeah. for the most part, that's, that's absolutely correct. Both of us really want to um, continue our education and go on to a fellowship. And it was just, um, it was hard for us to deal with uh, training for like five years versus four years with a fellowship included. And both of us both felt that um, three years is kind of where we fit, that that felt most comfortable to us. So yeah, we, we were like, let's look for three years. And then my um, excitement ran away with me and some four years snuck in there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So how, and like the hard part about the couples match from what I can tell, I, I did not go through the couples match myself is that inevitably, you know, your, your application to residency is tied or yoked to another person's. Yes. And it is rare um, in the world of med school and admissions and everything else that two applications are exactly the same. Right. So there's usually one application for better, for worse. That's a little stronger than the other person. And sometimes you can start seeing like the interview offers kind of go more towards one person or the other. Yeah. That start happening with you guys. And how did you navigate that as a couple? Rudy, Rudy, (laughs) she was the one with all the interview offers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it, it was tough. Um, yeah, it, it was I mean, honestly psychologically it was a little hard on me uh, until I started looking at how many interviews I had relative to other EM applicants, and then I felt good about myself because uh, she definitely had more. Like a, a great example is University of Washington. Uh, really wanted to go to Seattle, and that was one where I didn't even get an offer. Like I didn't get an interview invite at all, and and she absolutely did. So that's when it came up. Not only is it a good school, not only is it a location that we both like, um, but I, it just it just wasn't on the table only strictly because I was in the equation. It was, um, I think both of us had to like swallow some like humble pie and be like, we're in this together. It's not just one person, it's two people. Mm-hmm. And we had to also look at like, what, what do you want to gain out of like residency? Where do you want to, what do you want to gain out of? essentially life like where 
would you feel comfortable the most? Um, and both of us, just medical school is difficult. Sometimes you feel very alone, um, even though you have a very, very big peer support group. And what we were looking for the most was a residency family. So we always had to be like, does this have a residency family feel to it? No. And if they didn't want to have like both of us interview, like that's obviously not the program for us. Like we want to be part of a residency family. So yeah, ultimately (laughs) we've kind of learned through medical school. Rudy does better with large amounts of data, uh, (laughs) hence the fire hose. So he's really good at that initial filtering. So that was we had a, a mutual Google Docs spreadsheet that we were both adding to, both editing, uh, both organizing. And what we did there, of course, is you do the reach and then, you know, the probably solid programs that you have a good shot at and then the safety. So we did that. Um, I don't remember what our, like 70. Somewhere around 70, yeah. 70 programs. I think 20% were reach and something like, 60% were actual kind of, you know, you're a good fit for this program and the remainder would be safety. So we did that. Once we had that, then I could kind of step in and I, I do a lot better with decision making. So that's when we started to look at, okay, so these are these programs. We sent out the applications. We're starting to get feedback. Uh, uh, it's coming in slowly. I get one thing we can kind of like a little, a little pro tip here. Uh, if you do do couples match, um, you absolutely unequivocally you have to contact the program yes. when one person does not get an interview. It was communication amaz- was huge, amazingly successful at calling or emailing both multiple times. Hey, I'm in this together. I'd love to go here. He would love to go here. Can we? Can we get an interview? I'm going to be traveling in the area, and I was shocked. That was very, very successful very and led led me to having much more than the average EM applicant who's from. And then Rudy, I mean, geez, she had like almost double me. Yeah, we started to, uh, we had a really good line of communication open. If I got an email, I'd be like, um, Quinn, did you get this interview? And he would either say yes or no. And if he said no, I would immediately email the program coordinator because they're the ones that have like the most communication with the applicants. And then usually about 10 minutes later, he'd have um, an interview offer. So communication was absolutely key um, with obtaining the interviews we wanted. And then the, like, really though, I think a big thing was initially it was a difficult decision because we didn't really know what we wanted. Um, we knew we wanted fellowship. So again, that sort of name is unfortunately an aspect of it. I mean, we need to go to a place that people recognize. We need to go to a place that produces uh, fellows and that they'll widely tell you this on the interview trail and you can call, you can ask residents, but it's, it's really easy to figure out how many fellows the program produces per year. And that was something that we really wanted to focus on. Cause like we said, we're definitely headed to fellowship. Um, so that was one important aspect. Uh, the other was just, you know, do we want to live there? Could we be happy there? And then with so, both of you yeah. going to undergrad here and then med school here, um, did you have this feeling that you wanted to leave Utah to for your, because I call it the, the, the triptych, the triple, you know, undergrad, med school, and residency. And for a lot of people, they love that because they have a lot of family here or culturally just they feel very, you know, they, they, they just like being in Utah. But for other people, like, you know, like I might practice in Utah one day and my residency program, that's like the last hurrah of to live somewhere else in the country. Like, yeah. wh- how did you guys feel about staying in Utah for residency? Did, did that come up in your discussions? 
That came up quite often, actually. Um, Quinn's story, as you heard, he doesn't stay in one spot very well. So, <laughs> yes, uh, yes. <laughs> eight years in Utah was like, okay, I'm ready to <laughs> move on. Yeah, I mean, people would ask me this when I'm on my ways, you know, hey, why, you know, why aren't you focusing on, on Utah? It looks like a great program. And my answer was just every single time was, guys, it would probably be top of my list had I not done undergrad and med school there. Yeah. Um, really? I mean, why not? Uh, but I, I just, yeah, man, I get antsy. I had to yeah. move. So I was telling everyone else, yeah, you should rank this. I mean, top three for sure. <laughs> yeah. If not number one, just from what you're telling me you're interested in. But for me, it's just not a good fit right now. And then um, for me, it was kind of, it was a, it was a bittersweet, tough decision just because I am um, pretty close with my family. My sister lives in Salt Lake. Um, my parents are close and we're, we're pretty tight. We, we run every Saturday morning together and get like lunch. So we're, we're close. Um, and so that was kind of a tough pill to swallow because I, I do want to see other patient populations and I do want to have a different exposure. Like I think that would just um, for me benefit in the long run, but it, it was definitely a, a bittersweet pill to swallow. And I was like, put aside COVID, like travel is absolutely an option. Um, like you will still be able to see your family. So we had a airport. That's right. We wanted to be close to a major airport. airport. Yeah. Well, that was actually kind of a major decision. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. And then with your rank list, did you feel good about it? Did you go back and change it a bunch of times? Like how, how did that play off play out between you two? So it was a little contentious at first because we both had different wants. Like it, it we um, were going to rank 15 programs. And so we split it into like, these are the top five we love. These are the five that we're yeah. good with. And then these are the five that are like, we don't want to go there, but we're, we want to go to residency. So these will be okay. Yeah. We didn't really know how to tackle it. Yeah. And we were pretty overwhelmed and we're starting to train for a marathon. So we just went for a run. And yeah, by the end of the run, we were able to divide it basically into those three three groups of five, mm-hmm. and then had a rough idea of our first rank list, you know, yeah. the inaugural rank list. Yeah, and um, we changed it a bit going from there, but it, I don't think it was anything that like stressed the other person out or was something that the other person didn't agree with. It was like, oh, you know, I was thinking that program, like not really for me, or I really love this program, or like let's talk about this program. And so it started to evolve, and I think a week before we just we were like, this is it. This is a good good list. <laughs> and so you felt good about it between the months that you submitted it and the month you like in the time you found out? Yeah. Well, we submitted what, like nine days or two days or something before? Yeah, right between. (laughs) Six days before. So we were tweaking it. There were a couple of schools, (laughs) not naming names, Ohio State, (laughs) that um, were basically top of our list on interview day, like absolutely blown away. And then the more we learned about what they didn't tell us on interview day, it kept falling like a rank a rank every two days, essentially. And then it ended up being, you know, lower on the list. So things like that were happening. But for example, uh, you know, Madison, Wisconsin uh, was always, always top five and yeah. if not always top three. So it was Duke. Like we had, we had ones that we were like, that just, that was like, that was such a good fit. That was a program that we would excel at. And so um, it didn't shift too much 
And once we submitted it, I don't think we ever talked about it again, other than like, we're excited to figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. There was no like, Oh shoot, we really should have manipulated that. No. I mean, once, once we sat down and actually figured it out, cause I mean, it's difficult with the couples match cause it's not quite a factorial calculation, but you know, you you need to, (laughs) ideally you all want to be together. So your first 15 are all at both of you in the same city, but then you need to figure out, well, okay, if we can't be together, what's next most important? Uh, does someone really want this state school, but they, you know, be separated, you know, geographically farther away from their partner just to be at that school. So you have to really get creative with that list. So someone might want the next five permutations, for example, me at Pittsburgh, uh, her at Wisconsin. And then the next one would be me at Pittsburgh and then her at Maryland, uh, me at Pittsburgh and then her at, you know, another school. So that led us to have, I think almost 260 permutations. <laughs> yeah. Our uh, list is very long. <laughs> yeah. So we didn't max it out. We didn't do the 300, but we did fill about 260 rows in the actual rank list algorithm. Wow. And I guess a specific question for you two during this time, um, you know, so the rank list gets submitted February and, and match day is not till March. Right. In between, like the COVID-19 pandemic starts like like coming in waves across the country. Yeah. And and ultimately, like they, they switched a lot of um, curriculum and events like match day to an online kind of virtual format. What, yeah. what was your, I mean, how did you, you know, because like this is the culmination of eight years of hard work. I mean, and how did it feel from your perspective, just all these changes and just kind of the loss of control and the ambiguity of the last few months of your medical education? Like, what? how did that, how did that, how did that look from your perspective as fourth years? Yeah. Quinn's currently looking at me right now with a big smile on his face because I, I actually had a really hard time dealing with it. I, I am somebody who loves to celebrate. Like, I think I throw way too many birthday parties, but, um, like I was extremely looking forward to match day and everything that people talk about. Like you hear, you get this letter, you open it. So we figured out the Tuesday before match day that it was going to be virtual. There would be no in-person event. And I think initially like there are many emotions, anger, sadness. Um, I, I was quite frustrated. I was like, I realized this is a like, health problem, but like, why now? Like, why um, is there a pandemic? Like right before our huge, um, what people call like the golden time of medical school where you're supposed to celebrate and travel and just live freely. Like, why is this happening now? But um, match day turned out to be much better than I expected. It was a beautiful day of celebration. It was absolutely gorgeous out. We were able to celebrate outside with um, our two little dogs and uh, um, plenty of food. And then um, since match day, like with quarantine, I think we've actually had quite a fun time. We made a quarantine list of things to do from like packing to like just random board games, poetry match-offs. So yes, we're not able to travel like we wanted to. Yes, we weren't able to like celebrate in person with our friends, but we're making the best of it. And quite honestly, it is a golden time of medical school. Um, we're having quite a bit of fun. Yeah, Dr. Chan, your description was was on point. Spot on. <laughs> um, it, for me, I don't know. I'm, I prefer to kind of exist behind the scenes. So match day in and of itself there's two aspects of it. First of all, you know about this as a pre-med. 
I mean, you see it, yeah. you know about it as a first year, think, oh my gosh, these crazy fourth years. Wow, they're geniuses. They know everything. Um, definitely not true, but it looks that way, you know, just from, from looking at a different perspective. And each year it gets closer and it, it builds. Oh my gosh. Second year, you're two like, wow, <laughs> two years, this is like me. And then third year, you're like, holy man, I think I can do this. Like, I got this. Like, wow, I don't, I, I have a lot of learning to do yet, but yeah, this is going to be me next year. And then fourth year comes and you're like, wow, this is it. Um, I can't wait. And then to have it to the four year letdown uh, was, was pretty severe. But on the same time for me, I'm just, I'm not that, you know, public figure kind of guy. So the idea of this really public display of this culmination of your work didn't, it's not exactly how I wanted to celebrate it, but I was ready to be there um, to support all the classmates and support Rudy and I, so the initial cancellation wasn't a big deal for me, but what actually hurt me the most, what threw salt in the wound, was hearing how other schools were handling the the complicated situation. And there are just some really nice, really eloquent solutions to a virtual match that we weren't able to take part in. And that's when I kind of like, oh man, that would have been sort of a missed opportunity. Um, that one hurt the most for me. I'm sorry. I mean, from a, from an administration Dean's office perspective, it was so hard on our side as well. Cause there was so much planning and thought and it really is a beautiful ceremony and not to take away what we were able to do through zoom, but there's just, it's just not the same. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the thing. And it was all, you know, hindsight. So it's not like anything, I mean, in the situation, I doubt I would have done it. Yeah. And the hard part, too, is because, like, you know, you're a diverse class. There's 125 of you. Um, yeah. You know, the match day, the original conceptualization match day, I think, worked really, really well. But then when you started going down this road of, okay, we can't do that. And what are the different ideas? And, right, right. and people, people had large families or small families, you know, and everyone started bringing forth. It's hard to kind of pick one you know, oh, and, and yes. champion it through all this, you know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, like 125 different people, you put 125 doctors in a room, you're going to get 125 different great ideas. So it's, right. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> um, so where, where did you two match to? Where, where are you headed? Let's do the big reveal. We're going to University of Wisconsin, Madison. <laughs> no Badgers. This comes full circle with the Green Bay talk at the beginning of the pod. So it does complete full circle. So, yes. so sell, sell the listeners on, on this program. Why, why did you guys rank it uh, as high as you did? What, what's so great about the Madison program? Let's talk about that. Um, for me, doing an away rotation, I mean, it was it was precisely the family feel. After night shifts, you'd go out to breakfast. After night shifts, you'd go have cheese curds and a beer at a bar. And it was just, it was an incredible, like, even as just an outsider, they brought you in. Um, the attendings that I worked with, like, they, they knew me by name in passing. Like, they just remembered you. Um, it was a very good, inclusive feeling. And then I have... Um, goals to go into palliative care do that on the side with emergency medicine and they had just a phenomenal attending there who I, he just he spoke and you just felt better about life like he was able to really um articulate his thoughts and your thoughts um very well and i just um the feel was really what madison did for me Quinn, on the other hand has yeah, so. a childhood love of helicopters <laughs> 
I do. I do. So I think I'm about to learn something about helicopters in Wisconsin. Go Quinn. Tell me. Yeah, here, here I go. Um, so absolutely everything Rudy said. I got to first I have to say, you know, having your partner doing away there is an incredible window into the program. So I was actually um, accepted for a away rotation for the block after her. Obviously didn't do that because as far as we described the strategy, it doesn't really work well. But I was really excited to go there. Really excited to hear what she thought. She loved it. She was super happy. She felt super supported. And those are major things. I really wanted to get a program that was a family feel. And, and she just time and time again said that. Um, on interview day, I was also blown away by their leadership. Um, the, Dr. Hamadani there is just, I, I honestly was like in awe. She was absolutely the kind of person that I wanted to learn under. And I am extremely excited um, to work closely with her hopefully and then in their department in general uh, now helicopters so uh justin uh was a wild man who worked through med school i don't know if i'm supposed to say that or not we can edit it later if we're not but um <laughs> he he introduced me to uh to, to helicopter ems so he's a paramedic he flight medic and in med school I, he kind of overheard that I was, he was just talking about what he does. And I said, Oh my God, you have the best job in the entire world. And he just kind of laughed and he said, well, you can come check it out if you want. I said, what are you kidding me? Uh, so you got to go through some training and there's some restrictions. And of course I made sure to make it through all the red tape. And yeah, I went to the park city uh, helicopter EMS base, got super lucky, had for awesome calls. We landed uh, on snow basin ski resort. I'm a skier. So I've seen the helicopters come in. And I was actually on the helicopter coming in, blowing snow. No one could see. And, <laughs> wow. Yeah, so it was really dramatic. And I, uh, it, it, like, I actually wrote this in my personal statement to Pittsburgh. Like, I know which helicopter is passing over my head just by the sound that it makes. Disturbing. <laughs> um, I know, you know, the different types of helicopters. I know what you know, IMC uses or IHC. And uh, Utah, two different types. So I'm, I really, really, really love flying. And once I realized I was actually super bummed about general surgery because I figured out surgeons don't really fly ever. And I kind of left it there. And then I figured out that emergency medicine does fly. Uh, so it's not, not always. Um, I guess we probably should have mentioned that in our, our residency program. There's a whole list uh, that we had on our Google Docs that I mentioned of whether or not they offer flight and whether or not uh, it's just physicians who fly or residents can fly. And if residents fly, what year do they fly? And so that's actually why I ended up at Pitt. It has a huge helicopter EMS program, uh, re allows the residents to fly. I flew again in Pittsburgh. I had, I had a shift and it was fabulous. I loved it. And I Just to clarify, Quinn, you, you're on the helicopter ministering like first aid and life-saving. You're not actually a pilot, correct? Or, they, or is that part of the... I would love to be a pilot. Uh, okay. This is where Rudy probably gets nervous. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, uh, oh, man. <laughs> uh, but you're absolutely correct, Dr. Chan. Currently, I w well, actually, I was doing nothing. Uh, I was, this was an observer shift. But the, the trained residents and trained medics and nurses uh, were doing exactly what you said. A lot of it was transporting. Uh, like, for example, we flew from Rock Springs back to the U just because someone had had a, well, a suspected STEMI that actually ended up being a stroke. A heart attack that ended up being a stroke and, uh, you know, needed a higher level of care. So, you know, transport them back to the U. So 
Um, so I, I was very interested in programs that offer this, and Wisconsin is definitely known as one of the programs that flies quite a bit. Uh, so that was a column in our rank list of, of which which programs would permit me to fly and when would I be able to fly. And then more importantly, are you forced to fly? Because that's you know not everyone's cup of tea, and that's actually one thing we ran into is some programs would really force EMS on on all of their residents when that wasn't the best fit for them. So the helicopter EMS, I am extremely excited about it, uh, <laughs> and that was a major factor. But then one kind of little aw moment was after I did my interview at Pittsburgh, I went to do my second interview at Madison. We had our whole list there, and we write notes after each interview. I highly recommend that. Um, just helps with thank you letters. And, with everything you know you're kind of you're just your your feel of the program because that's ultimately what we went off of and in the box for madison i hadn't been home for 10 years uh lived there i visited of course but i haven't lived there for 10 years and i just wrote i think i'm ready to go home and that that is actually what sort of i never changed that comment and and that was a, a big thing so the leadership the helicopter ems Willingness to be close to family, you know, for a few years, uh, train an environment in the Midwest I'm familiar with. Um, those are all what, what did it for me. Quinn, that's beautiful. Rudy, this is beautiful. And I, I think we just passed the hour mark. So unfortunately, we're going to have to bring this to an end. But I look forward to, I want to circle back to you guys in about a year and just find out how your journey is. Yeah. Um, beautiful. Uh, you guys have such a cool story. And from, from the, the bays that are green in Wisconsin to the rice paddies, jungles of Vietnam to the mountains of Salt Lake city. <laughs> you guys have had quite the journey thus far. So yeah, let's, let's stay in touch. All right. Absolutely. Love you, to you. <laughs> all right. I'm going to turn it off and then uh, let's chat a little bit afterwards. All right. Thanks for listening to talking admissions and med student life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.